0: This is your host, Tammy Turner, and you are now listening to The Tierra Talk Show. We bring you rare interviews with the makers of Disney magic. Whether they be singers, actors, imagineers, animators, they've all made their mark on the Disney name. To find out more about the show and other episodes, head to our official website at www.thetierratalkshow.com. Be sure to look below at the show notes in the show more section for links to our Twitter and Facebook pages, including videos and websites mentioned in the following interview. Photos and audio clips that are featured in the show belong to their rightful owners and are used for educational purposes only. All guests' opinions are theirs and theirs alone and do not represent the opinions of the Tierra Talk Show or the host. The Tierra Talk Show is not associated with the Disney Company. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's episode, and from all of us here at the Tierra Talk Show, have a hoop de doo day. Excited to welcome this week's Tierra Talk Show guest, film composer David Newman, to the show. Welcome, David.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: I know many of our guests will have heard your composing credits for various Disney projects, so let me list a couple of them so listeners will know. We have Frankenweenie, The Brave Little Toaster, DuckTales of the Movie, Treasure of the Lost Lamp, The Mighty Ducks, 102 Dalmatians, just a great list of... A lot of fun movies from the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. So one of your first projects for the Disney Company was scoring the short film Frank and Weenie in 1984, directed by Tim Burton, which was also remade in 2012 uh, 2012 as an animated film. So was that a collaborative process with you and Tim to get the right feel for the story about a a boy who wants to bring back his dog from the dead?
1: Yeah, I mean... um... I was writing with a partner at the time and um, we knew Tim and his girlfriend at the time really well. And we knew Tom Wilhite really well that he was the head of the studio at that, at that point. I'm not sure how long it lasted, but it, I think, I think Frankie we is like 86 or, um, or 85. I don't know, something, something like that. So um, yeah, we did. It was only 30 minutes and it's a, I mean it was a big huge orchestra score that we actually scored at um Disney. They used to have a really great um music scoring stage. Um they were one of the first to get rid of it as the as the decades went along. Um like most of the studios had had um uh scoring stages. Um but there are very few of them left now. They they've been generally turned into other either office space or, or dubbing. But Disney had a lovely, wonderful um, space, scoring space. So I did get. to I, I think we were one of the last people in the in the, the that space before they closed it and, and reconverted it. Um, so I don't know. That was a, that was a real kind of 80s score. I mean, it was it was everyone wanted really big. You know, music and big themes and, and it, so it was kind of a big adventure score um, It is a little bit of a mock horror thing um, and a little bit of humor in it. But basically it was pretty dramatic, um, large orchestra underscoring of that era.
0: It seems like you had a lot of fun recording that one because it, it just sounded very, very uh, mysterious, but very fun at the same time. So it had yeah. this certain tone to it that I thought was really great for the film. And I, I, I didn't get to see the sequel. Did you get to see the sequel? And, and I, what were your thoughts on the uh, on Danny Elfman's? Um,
1: I, I did, film? and I have not seen. I have not seen the the. Um... I haven't. I can't really comment because I haven't seen the new, the 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 updated one. I loved the the uh, you know I loved the one that we scored. I thought it was great. I know the 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 sequel. You said it's it's animated or is it stop frame animation? I, I think th- yeah, it's, yeah, it's stop
0: motion animation. Pretty sure. I saw like trailers for it and it looked really good. And I just haven't gotten a chance to yeah. see it yet, which I'm bummed. But uh, uh, I, I
1: I haven't uh, I haven't either. I mean, it's it a long time in between. That was really the first thing. That um, that I did was that um, aside from a few uh, what were called industrial films at the time, um, uh, you you could do sometimes like little documentary films or or like um, political campaign films or things like that that just sort of get your feet wet. But that was the first real kind of professional experience that I had, you know, writing and conducting. The conducting was very scary. I'd never done it with the with the synchronizing like that before. Um, to that degree, where, where it was all really difficult to synchronize. And we only had, a you know, uh, I mean, it wasn't that much music, so we only had like a half of a day or something like that to record it.
0: And how do you begin the process of writing a score for a film after being signed on to a movie project? What are the steps you take to gain inspiration and to begin writing a film's score?
1: You know, inspiration or not, you have to write it. Um, so you try to... Uh, well, the first thing you do is you look at the movie with the director and you decide where music is going to start and where it's going to stop. So it's called spotting. So it's like a, a metaphor of like, you know, you're spotting on the, this big roll of film where you're going to put music in and where it begins and ends. You know, it's really important where music begins and where it ends. It's almost as important as what the music actually is. Because as soon as you start music, something happens. It, it, it defines it in a way. And when you stop, it defines it in a way. It doesn't just seamlessly go in and and out. Um, it, it it's it's always, if not totally consciously noticed, it's definitely in the, in the art form. It makes it makes a difference. And like where you start, if you start music on say this character rather than that character, it tends to make the scene about the character that you start music on. It gives, it gives a certain emphasis to it that it wouldn't have if you didn't start music there. So that's the first thing you try to figure out is where it's gonna stop and start. I mean, start and stop. And then in those days, you'd write, you'd, you'd write themes or a theme or a, you know, a love theme or a scary theme or what, whatever the movie was. Um, that's not what you do now, but that's what we were doing in the '70s. I mean, the '80s and '90s. Um, so, and and since the equipment wasn't so sophisticated, then um, I'm sure a lot of your listeners have been fooled around with GarageBand, and you, there's all these amazing things you can do with equipment now to like, you know, really almost score a film. By picking little loops and various things your, yourself, well, and when we were starting like that, it was very difficult to do that. So you, you you kind of just played some stuff on a piano for the director, and he said yes or no, but nobody could really tell till you have an orchestra there, and then you'd, you 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 go and record the music, and then if something they didn't like or wanted to do again, then you you'd have to record it again. They, you'd have to book another session and, and, and record it, where now everything is, you, you do it on your, your, you know, laptop or on your computer, on your digital audio, audio workstation, whatever, um, and so everyone kind of knows what everything's going to sound like, but like, say for Tim Burton and that, he would have had no idea what that was going to sound like till the session, So basically there's nothing you could do about it except spend a whole bunch more money to, to, to do it. And, and then as you, as you write, um, you're talking about inspiration, you know, um, you can't wait for inspiration. You have to make it happen, but generally when you, when you start writing, it just, it, 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 some things come really easy and some things, um, you know, don't. So some things are inspired and some things kind of, you just use the inspiration that you had at some other time to, uh, you know, forge your way through it.
0: But, it's like a give or it's like a give or take back and forth because basically, music is is telling the audience how to feel in these situations. So you're basically yeah. telling them how to feel with the music, and, and and or
1: or or letting them letting them feel. You know, it's maybe it's a little bit subtler than that. It's it's allowing, for instance, there sometimes in these. I did a lot of dark comedies, very you know, very. Um, some very dark comedies for like DeVito movies that I did. Some were very dark. And a lot of that, you'll have music that just gives the audience, how would you say it? Like a little, a slight permission that if they want to laugh at something, it's kind of okay. Where if you didn't have music in this particular place, um, the audience kind of doesn't know what to make of it. They They don't know that it's, Kind of tongue in cheek, or that it's a little bit over the top on purpose and it's supposed to be kind of funny and, and all that. But you know, the weird thing that happens with movies, um, I try to explain this to um, sometimes I go and talk to young film composers. They tend to take on a life of their own. You know, there's a person that wrote the movie, they developed the movie, they cast the movie, the directors that, you know, directs the movie is essentially in charge. But we come in in what's called post-production, which means after they are done shooting. And that's when they, you know, do all the mixing and special effects and music and all that stuff. And little by little, as the film starts to come together, it kind of takes on a life of its own. And um, I heard Bill Murray being interviewed recently. And I thought he said something really smart in that if you're an artist or a talented person in any way, in whatever field you are, you just know when something's better than something else. It it, 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 it doesn't, it, we, we call it in film a lot, like something works or it doesn't work. But pretty much everyone's going to mostly agree when something works, it works, it, which means it's better than something else. So you keep trying to get to that place where, this piece of music works. And then it spawns the next piece of music which works. And the next piece of music that works. And even if the director doesn't like, say, the style or the or something about it and wants the movie to be something else, it, it ends they end up being what they are. They end up taking a life of their own. So you kind of follow along. And music really does that because it there's just very little that works that, that doesn't, I mean, when, there's a lot that doesn't work and there's very little that works. So you try to find what works. And I know that's kind of a, um, not very good explanation of it, but you just when, when you're there in the moment and you, you try two different things, you you can see that it's very clear that this works and this doesn't work.
0: And another film that you worked on was The Brave Little Toaster, and it's gained a large following over the years, and rightly so because it's a fantastic film directed by Jerry Reese, who has been on the Tiara Talk show before. Very nice guy. So while you're composing the score for this film, Van Dyke Parks was creating original songs that Uh were featured in the story. So did you both work with one another to get the same sound that would play throughout the film?
1: No. It was completely... Well, first of all, no one was done until... I mean, it was just a race to the finish. Um, let's see. That was supposed to be a Disney movie, right? It wasn't really. a... No, I guess it was. I don't know. It, it was, was still
0: marketed as a Disney movie. Yeah, I guess. Movie, I, so. I guess. It,
1: yeah. It. It. I mean, it was definitely. I mean. I mean, you know who developed that movie originally, right? John John Lasseter developed oh, yes,
0: that. Yes. Yeah, I was trying right? to think of the name. And, yes. And
1: he he got somehow. It, believe it or not, out of favor at Disney and left, and then formed Pixar, and of course now runs everything animated at you know at Disney. Um, and you can you can see in Toy Story, kind of Brave Little Toaster was way before Toy Story, but there are a lot of similarities if you think about it between Toy Story and and, and Brave Little Toaster. Brave Little Toaster was done just for a- hardly any money at all. It was all done overseas. We even scored it in Japan of all places uh, just cause it was inexpensive and we could get a big, and again, it's a big, huge score. Like I, you would never score a movie like Brave Little Toaster. Now, the way I did it then that would just never happen. But at that point it, it was this big giant orchestra score. And what we did do is one, it, it, it was, the songs were sort of finished, but, um, they, they needed to be sweetened. So what I ended up doing um, is um, at the end of the scoring, I came back and then I did um, uh, arrangements of all the songs. We had recorded the vocals and all that, obviously, like way back. But no one, kinda, no one sort of knew what, what the sound of the score was going to be or any of it. So then it was my job at the end to make it sound like the score. So I kind of shoved that on the songs. And I'm not sure that it was all completely successful, the song arrangements, but um it it made it more like the score than it than it would have been. Where maybe what I would have done now is I would have I would have made the score a little bit um more like the songs. That's probably what I would have done now. But it, it was very early on for me. I'm very proud of that score. I, I loved working with Jerry. Um I did one other, you know, Disney movie with him, which was um of uh, the marrying man, which was a um, Hollywood Pictures thing, but it still was was Disney. Um, I think Jerry's a genius. Uh, uh, I, you know, he did. You see the Vanity Fair article before the Academy Awards this yes, year? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he's a he's and 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 I did several uh, theme park things with him. We did two of them. I forget. Um, one was called uh, ones at Disney World, and ones. Um, what were they called? I can't remember.
0: Wait, I did back, back to, to Neverland. Never- okay, that
1: was that was not Jerry. That was.
0: But no, back to Never, yeah. back to Neverland. Yeah, you did true. with Jerry uh, to- at Disney's MGM Studios, which featured Robin Williams and Walter Cronkite. Right. So you did and, the score for that too.
1: And Cranium Command. I love Jerry. It's that was one of the best experiences of my life. You know what I learned on that movie though? Um, I was that's 1987. Um, I, I really didn't start really working till 1986. So this is four or five movies in is Brave Little Toaster. There's only 33 minutes of music, but the night before we were leaving, like I said, we went to Japan the night before we were leaving. There's a whole seven minute segment at the end of the movie after the worthless, the little, the song with the, you know, the, at the junkyard and it goes all the way to the end of the movie. And I hadn't written it yet. And it was the morning of the day before we were leaving. And so I thought, well, it's seven minutes. I think I can do this. So I'm working all day, and it's three in the morning, and I finish. And then I have to start orchestrating it because I used to sketch. We would do things where you you just do a few lines and sketch it out, and then, and then later you would orchestrate it. So I start orchestrating it, and it's like 100 pages of 11 by 17 paper. Jeez. And... I'm not done, so I take a shower, and we go to the airport, and I got all my little stuff with me, and we get on the plane, and for 14 straight hours, I worked on the plane, and then when I got there, I I had a day before, and I worked another 14 hours, 50 straight hours to finish seven minutes, which now I know makes sense, because I learned what I can and can't do. I can't write seven minutes of music in a day and orchestrate it and do all that. I can, you know, I, I, but at that time I didn't know that I couldn't do it. So, so all, all I remember of that trip was working on the plane the whole way there and then checking it on a piano when I got there, giving it to a copyist and then starting doing the song arrangements, which I was going to have to do the minute I got back. So every night after we were done, I would do, you know, there are five songs. So I, would do an arrangement, you know, and, and then, and then it was the last day and then we got on the plane and left and went back. And that's, that's, uh, I I don't remember hardly anything about it except that, 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 so, but it was one of the most lovely experiences because Jerry and I are just so, we're so in sync with it. So what we wanted to do, like, for instance, he, Jerry would talk about that the toe you know, all the characters in that, have these little kind of, what what are they like verb metaphors? You know, the 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 um, the toaster reflects reflects stuff. It it and it 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 uh, it deflects from herself and it reflects to you. You 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 can see yourself in the mirror of the toaster, and the toaster uses as a as a, as a means of deflecting, you know, and every character we would talk about, like the lamp, you know, when the light goes on, you know, the lamp understands something, and then, you know, and then the da-da-da. Each character had a had a, had a a theme, essentially. This is what I was saying, is that we spotted the movie, and then for Brave Little Toaster, Jerry wanted every character to have a little theme of sorts. So the radio had like a little kind of um, uh, fanfare-ish theme. And, and that's how we... You know, and then and then once we had all that, and Jerry and I could play those for Jerry, then everything just sort of wrote itself, and it was, you know, except like I was saying, the the deal of moving the songs into the place that the score was was the last thing. That's what I was doing the whole week I was there scoring is trying to figure out how to do that. But that, I think that's one of the best experiences I ever had. That And then that same year, I did Throw Mama from the Train, which was with Danny DeVito, who I had another great relationship with, which was also a great experience. But but Great Little Toaster, I'll never forget. That was a special, utterly special movie to work on. I I remember I'd get um, storyboards, and then little by little, I'd get animation. And it was so great when the animation showed up. And as the movie came together, you know, it just got, it just got better. Everything got better and better in Brave Little Toaster as we went along. And most of the movies that I've done, they, it doesn't get better and better. It, it tends to get worse in post-production. Because which, which as I said, post-production around. is really hard to do.
0: So there are several Disney movie remakes in the works from Jungle Book to Beauty and the Beast, and we've already had Maleficent. So if you had the chance to score any remake of any Disney film of your choice, which would you choose?
1: I don't know. I got to do that. I loved, loved doing 102 Dalmatians. I know it wasn't the original one, but I loved the movie. I loved the guy that directed it. And I got to write music that was just for me completely so much fun and amazing, um, and I loved doing that Ducktales movie. Um, that was one of the most fun experiences. You know, a lot of the I also did a Disney movie called Mr. Destiny. Um, I did uh, that. I loved. Um, I did. I did this move. This short called Michael and Mickey. That I, remember was that. With, I remember that. with um, Yeah, I, I did a lot. I ended up doing. Um, quite a lot. I, I don't know. I mean, to me, my favorite Disney movie growing up was um, 101 Dalmatians, the, the, the animated one. I, I just, I, I loved it. Um, so I, I don't know. I, in a sort of a way I got to do, I got to, I got to work on it and I got to, I had a chorus singing Cruella kind of, and I got to, and I got to use the Cruella DeVille um, song motive and a bunch of the score. And, it, you know, I, I just, I had a blast. And
0: so, it worked so well with Glenn Close too. So I now I have three questions to ask you. They're uh, my fab three Disney questions. I ask them to all my guests. So we'll start out with the Donald one. So the Donald one is, as a child, what Disney film would you like to watch over and over again? I know you mentioned 101 Dalmatians. Was there another one you really liked?
1: Not really. It was that one pretty early on. Um, what? When was that? Was that like nineteen sixty um it's 1961.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was so, way before. So, I was trying to think. It was way before so, Aristocats.
1: Yeah, I I I saw it when I was maybe six or seven years old, and um, uh, I just I just loved it. We we my brother Tom and my brother and me loved that. That was my favorite Disney movie of all time. Was that one?
0: And our goofy question: What Disney character do you think would be your best friend if you met them in person?
1: Oh God. Um. I don't know. Um, Goofy, maybe.
0: And our Mickey question, if I asked you to name any Disney song at this very moment, what immediately comes to mind?
1: Well, the one I can't get out of my mind, which is the Frozen song, the Let It Go, I guess, would be, that would be it. But uh, I don't know that that's such a good thing. (laughs) I I, I did like Frozen. I thought, I thought that song was, and I like Adina Menzel. It was good. I did love Mary Poppins. Mary, I still, I just, I think Mary Poppins is an amazing movie. I'd love to do that one live. I think that would be an amazing live movie. I love the song um, "Let's Go Fly a Kite" at the end of that movie. I think th- there there's there's a song that does what I think I was talking about. It 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 has such emotion, sadness because the father wakes up joy because the father wakes up and understands that he'll, he's never going to get this this stuff back from his kids these years, those beautiful children in the, in the movie and sadness that he lost so much of it all at the same time. Just by the way, the the, the harmony, the way the, the waltzness of it, the, the three, the triplet time in it. it, it but it, you know what I mean? It's sad and joyous at the same time. It's not just one thing. and And I think that's, that's what's great when great film music, that's what it can do. And you don't, you can't really put your finger on it, but you, this is how our emotions are as human beings. We, our emotions are dual or triple. You can, you can have a lot of different emotions at the same time. I mean, not a lot, but you can, you can, you know, you can cry at something beautiful. You know, I love film music for, for this, for what it, what it can, I mean, all, Music can do this, but film music, it's, it's, it's your job to do this. It's your job to, to help tell that story that you can't quite figure out. A character isn't just one thing. They're generally a a mixture of things, maybe good and bad, maybe naive and, and worldly, or, or they're naive at the beginning and then they learn something at the end and you know, blah, blah, blah. So I love, love Mary Poppins.
0: Well, thank you so much, David, right, for coming thanks. on the show. This has been a lot of fun. And listeners, check out David's website at www.DavidLewisNewman.com. And can we also follow you on Twitter or Facebook? Are you on Facebook? Yes, Reddit? I'm on
1: Facebook. Um, I have a fan site and a regular site. You can just, you know, um, and then it's at DNewmanM5. D-N-E-W-M-A-N-M is in Mary 5. And I do post a bit.
0: Perfect. Then the listeners can get an update on what the next project you're working on. I can't I hope you're gonna work on another Disney project soon. That would I, be amazing I, if you could.
1: I hope so too, because now when I'm looking back at it, there were some of my favorite ones.
0: lose your head don't lose your head